Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today. As always, I have a guest, a local guest in the booth with me. Always, always a treat. Tracy Campion is back with us today. She's the co-publisher of Pet Connection magazine, and she and her dog, Jack, are the stars of a segment as part of uh, Mutual Rescue, which highlights... um, Really lovely adoption stories where people, quote unquote, rescue the dog and find that the dog rescues them right back. Right. Welcome back, Tracy. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. So um, is the mutual rescue just dogs or is it other other animals as well? Um, It's actually all animals. The Mm -hmm. current series features both dogs and cats, but it's open to any animal. I also had horses in my film. Yeah. Cool. And your story, I watched it this morning. It's really a really great piece. Tracy and Jack is the title. You can go to mutualrescue.org and it's sponsored by PetSmart Charities, correct? Yes. And they are taking submissions. So if you you or you know somebody who has a mutual rescue story, then they can just go to the website? Yeah, they can submit their story on the website, and hopefully it will be selected for filming sometime in 2018. Cool. And so you heard about this? I actually heard about this through Seattle Dog Spot. Uh They posted about it last year and said, one more day for story submissions. And so I quickly wrote up a piece about Jack and I and submitted it and heard back a few weeks later, and it, it was pretty exciting. And then they came and filmed and put this whole thing together. and Yeah, the, the filming was amazing to see that creative process that yeah. the filmmakers had and the ideas that they had to bring the story to life. And it, it was really rewarding to see how it turned out at the end. Mm-hmm. So talk about, um, so you're, you're, you and Jack both experienced some physical trauma. Yes. in your lives before you came together. Mm-hmm. So tell us first about your experience with uh, the horse accident. So in June of 2013, I was riding my horse, Bo, and I was bucked off. And I didn't know it then, but I'd actually broken my pelvis on both the left and the right side, and I'd shattered my sacrum. And I was taken to the hospital, and I whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I have a tendency to be pretty stoic, whether I'm being stoic about pain or I'm stressed or I really like somebody, I I can just tend to be stoic. And so when I was in the hospital, they actually diagnosed me with a bruised back and told me that I need to try to walk every 30 minutes. Mm. And I'm really stubborn. So I tried to do that for five days. But when your pelvis is broken on both sides, that's actually not possible. And so I ended up going to a specialist after five days and they x-rayed me and took some uh, CAT scans and said, no, this is actually some pretty extensive damage. You shouldn't have been trying to walk on it and uh, got referred to Harborview Mm. to a specialist who recommended surgery, but the surgery was pretty scary. So I opted instead to just basically sit still for eight to 10 weeks. Mm. Um, so the reason why they didn't x-ray you initially was because you weren't showing 
the pain that you were in sort of surprises me. They actually did x-ray me. Hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't saying that I was in a lot of pain, but I was hyperventilating and they had me up, hooked up to oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently the x-rays that they took at that hospital were inconclusive or they didn't show the extent of the injuries. Had you been through a physical trauma, you know, a big injury like that before, big broken bones or anything? Um, I'd cracked some ribs before and I'd herniated some discs, but Mm -hmm. nothing compared to this pain. I mean, it was uh, so overwhelming. I mean, it was basically the entire midsection of my body Mm -hmm. and just trying to cope with that level of pain was really overwhelming. I can't imagine, you know, how that when you in such extreme pain, you know, I mean, I think of I've I've not had a huge physical trauma like that in my life. So, you know, to have something so deep in your body, so, you know, broken bones in multiple places and right uh, in your pelvis, you know, and the sort of center of everything. It was. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I could also feel things moving inside where they shouldn't be. Mm. And that was a big indication that I really needed to go back to a specialist because I would try to be walking on my crutches and it, it was just the, the level of pain was almost beyond what I could stay conscious for. Mm. Wow. So you had to stay um, really immobile for eight weeks. Um, The accident happened on June 8th Mm -hmm. and I started walking again toward the end of September. So um, basically the entire summer months, and part of the wow. spring as well. And you had said in, in the video on uh, uh, mutualrescue.org that you kind of had to like relearn how to walk. I did. That was very humbling. Mm. Um, so when you're learning how to walk, you're really young. That's pre-memory. And it's not necessarily something that you think about each step that goes into walking. And so when I went to walk again, I hadn't done any of those movements for so long and I hadn't really thought about how do I bend my knee and how do I raise my leg and maybe other people that have had to learn how to walk again don't find it as difficult as I did but I uh, I looked a lot like Nosferatu when I started walking again mm-hmm. just kind of arms out for balance legs very stiff knees not bending and it, it, it took a little while to figure out I had to learn how to sit cross-legged again and how to get up from a cross-legged position because I was so afraid that I was going to re-injure myself and I had to learn that I was all one piece again that it was going to be okay and kind of figure out which muscle groups did what. Mm -hmm. Was it a uh, when you say that you're like relearning how to do it was it because of the pain or was there some sort of connection that was lost between mind and body? Um, I think it was the anticipation of pain. Mm-hmm. It By the time I started physical therapy, I wasn't really in pain as much anymore, although my threshold for pain definitely changed. You know, you get accustomed to a certain amount of pain and you consider that more discomfort than pain at a certain point. But I don't know if I lost a connection between what I what I wanted to do and what my body was telling me to do, mm-hmm. but it, it it was definitely difficult to be natural in those movements again, because I'd basically just been sitting upright for so long. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the um, five days that you were told to just walk on it, actually, like that, I imagine that was traumatic for you and your body to experience not just the pain of the accident, but then kind of like forcing yourself to keep walking and it's excruciating pain 
pushing you to the edge of consciousness. Right. Well, I I was just so frustrated because I couldn't lift either foot off the ground, probably more than half an inch. Mm. And I was telling my legs to lift and it wasn't happening. And so I was using crutches and I was trying really hard and just shaking and sweating and just trying to push through it. And finally, after about five days, I realized that it wasn't possible. Mm -hmm. And my mom came to visit me one day and the look on her face, I thought, yeah, I should probably go back to the doctor. Mm. What did you learn about yourself in that process of, of relearning? I mean, what a feat to, you know, be so in your body and, and just have to I imagine patience must have been such a huge factor in that and and just keeping at it, keeping at it, keeping at it, and to the point now where you're walking mm-hmm. and even running. Yeah, it it really tried my patience. Um, I think we all try to consider ourselves to be patient people, but just sitting still for an entire summer when mm-hmm. everyone kept saying, it's the most beautiful summer that I've ever seen. It was really hard being locked away inside one room in one house and getting visitors every now and again and Mm -hmm. missing out on all the things that I love, like hiking, horseback riding, swimming, Mm -hmm. um, just sitting there. And it, it, it definitely, it, it taught me to appreciate what I have and what I can do. I mean, now, even if I'm sitting in rush hour traffic, I'm not grouchy about it because Hey, I'm driving. I'm not stuck in a room. I'm mobile. I mean, it's it definitely changes your perspective. Yeah. Are you writing again? I am. Mm -hmm. The doctor recommended that I wait six months after the accident. Mm -hmm. um, And I think it was about four and a half months. Mm -hmm. Isn't the motion of a horse really therapeutic for the body to sit on a horse walking? It is. Yeah. Um, for all of the physical therapy that I was doing, it didn't compare to getting back onto a horse again because I was using those muscle groups again. Mm-hmm. I was working on my core. Um, one thing that I hadn't thought about, when you break your pelvis like that, you lose your balance quite a bit. So I, when I was standing up, I had a tendency to lean forward mm-hmm. and didn't really have my core strength. Mm-hmm. And so when I started riding again, that helped me a lot with my balance as well. Mm. So now you had talked about, uh, so tell us a bit about your process of wanting to get a dog and, and, and how that sort of folds into the timeline of the accident. So I'd wanted to get a dog for years. Where I'd been renting, the landlord had said no dogs. And so when I was in the process of purchasing a house a few years after my accident, Um, I'd been told that my grandfather had cancer Mm -hmm. and I drove down to see him and this once vibrant person, he'd probably lost about 30 pounds and he seemed tired and it it was hard to see him go from the person that I knew to somebody that was just really struggling and really sick and animals had always been a really big part of his life. And so when I drove home that night, I was just really processing what that meant to me and how I'd been waiting for so long to get a dog. And the next morning I woke up and I said, I'm, I'm going to go to Seattle Humane just to look, which I think are everyone's famous last words. Yeah. And Or uh, sure, I'll foster that dog right. temporarily. Yeah, I'm just looking. <laughs> and I went in and Jack was the first dog that I saw uh, on the right-hand side of the kennels. And he, I, I specifically wanted... 
the kind of dog that other people might not necessarily want to adopt. So a dog that was either a senior or had special needs or a black dog. And here was this black dog. And as I looked closer, I saw that he had three legs. And then I saw that he had one eye. And I thought, this, he's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Had that always been your vision about when you thought, I'm going to get a dog? Or was that post-accident that you felt inspired to get a dog who was had special needs? It hadn't always been my vision. I'd, I'd wanted to get a senior dog. But definitely after my accident, I thought I'd love to get a dog that has some mobility issues because I'd love to get out more, but I don't want a, a younger dog that wants to run right, right. off the get-go because I'm going to need a little bit of time to catch up to that. Right. And so when I saw him, I thought, that's perfect. He'd just had his surgery the month before. He still had shave marks on his body. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, we can both start out together. So what happened to him? So he was over in Yakima. And he was hit by a car. Nobody ever claimed him. And so Seattle Humane stepped in and transported him over here and paid for his uh, expensive, extensive surgeries. And he needed to have his leg and his eye removed. And then they fortunately put him into a foster home. And his two foster parents were able to get an idea of his personality. And they really fell in love with him. It's hard not to. But... I got to meet them when I adopted Jack. I met one of his foster moms, and she explained that he loved to get up on the bed, and he was afraid of cats, and I thought, perfect. My (laughs) senior cats are going to love the fact that the dog is afraid of them. Yeah. And it it just, um, everything just came together. So you just took him home? I did, yeah. Um, They asked me if I was positive, and I said, yep. And then I got him in the car, and I thought, I don't have any dog stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I was just coming to look. Right. Yeah. Well, that's easy. Right. Yeah. So how long have you had, how long have you guys been living together, you and Jack? So I adopted Jack in March of 2015. So mm-hmm. a little bit more than two years now and celebrated his honorary fourth birthday last month. I celebrated on his adoptiversary mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to remember life before him because he's such a big part of my life now. Mm-hmm. Um. And how has, did, you know, so you got him a month after he had the surgery. Right. Which is pretty new, right? Mm -hmm. So did you have to sort of continue to nurse him through, uh, you know, was he continuing to heal at that point or was he pretty well healed up? His, he didn't have a lot of stamina. So we took a lot of short walks, probably Mm -hmm. six to eight short walks a day. Um, Now we take maybe two or three longer walks. We're up to six and a half miles is the most that we've done in one day. Um, but he, he was just taking a lot of walks around the block and building up stamina and still getting accustomed to the fact that he only had one eye and he only had three legs. I mean, he would still forget. He'd jump off the couch and do a face plant every now and again oh. because he'd forget that he only had one leg in the right. front. Does he still do that? He doesn't, but he still runs into things on, on the left side yeah. if he's in a hurry. Yeah. So you you witnessed him getting used to how his body had changed. Right. And I could totally empathize with that. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I was just uh, talked last week, actually, about trauma and and PTSD in dogs and um, was talking with um, a researcher with Best Friend Animal Society about PTSD and puppy mill dogs and trauma and all that. And 
and the what a what an amazing gift it is to give a dog who's in some way special needs, whether it be emotionally, behaviorally, physically, or both. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's not also not you know not everybody's cut out for it either. Right. Um, did you notice? I mean, was Jack just sort of behaviorally kind of like a normal dog, except for the physical aspect, or did you were there? Was there any emotional trauma that, you know, because he had been hit by a car? Was he just sort of like, well, you know, let's just move forward? For Yeah, for the most part, he was, let's just move forward. He was a little bit reactive when I first got him. He was a little bit afraid of other dogs. And mm-hmm. it took him some time to meet some other dogs that he made friends with. And now I can tell, it, you know, if a dog is way off on the horizon, I can kind of look at him and think, ah, he's going to like that dog or he's not going to like that dog because whatever his criteria is, <laughs> he starts to get a little bit tense. And I think, OK, he might be barking at this dog. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it was mainly just um, reactivity to other dogs or perhaps being protective of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, he did have a few accidents in uh, in public. But for the most part, he was like, let's just let's just keep on going. Like potty accidents? Yeah. Um, he had an accident at Home Depot. He had an accident uh, on his dog trainer. He had an accident. <laughs> yeah, that was... Pete on the dog trainer, He huh? did. We didn't go back to dog training <laughs> class after that. I was too embarrassing. Um, this is what I think at your school. <laughs> right. And she was a great trainer, too. She was the trainer with Seattle Humane. Yeah. And... Um, he also had an accident in a, a beach house that my family had rented. Uh-huh. So it was just getting to know his particular signals. If he was nervous or if he felt like peeing, just make sure that he would go outside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting thing back to the reactivity towards other dogs. <clears throat> Some dogs have a predictability to it where you can you can say, oh, is it, you know, you can tell if it's a, you know, Big dogs, small dogs, dogs with prick ears, dogs with pushed in noses, dog, you know, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of dogs, there's not, a, as far as what we can tell, right? any sort of rhyme or reason to whether the dog has a favorable or unfavorable response to another dog, you know, approaching. And it's curious to me, you know, as someone who works with behavior and leash reactive behavior is one of the most, if not the most, Right up there with separation anxiety. Right. But leash reactive behavior is probably the most common thing that people need help with. Mm-hmm. And every dog is different and, you know, but, and it's most commonly towards other dogs specifically. And it's just interesting to me, like, what is it? Like you mentioned Jack's criteria. Like, what, right. what is it that they're, nah, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling this dog or, oh yeah, let's, let's hang out, you know? It's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I wish I knew what his criteria was, but fortunately he absolutely loves the next door neighbor's dog, but mm-hmm. sometimes there'll be a, a really small dog and he'll bark at them and scare them, or there'll be a, a really fluffy dog and he barks at them, and it doesn't seem that there's anything that these dogs have in common other than the fact that he doesn't like them. It's I think about like people and how there's like a, a chemistry factor, right? Like, I don't know why you walk into a room and there's somebody there who you've never met before. You have no experience whatsoever to cause you to think one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But you just don't like the person or you just love the person. Like you have, I don't know why, I just love you. Like, let's, you know. And like, what is that? And I think dogs uh, certainly 
to their, you know, whatever their degree is exactly have that sort of chemistry factor. Right. You yeah. Know, I don't know. I don't know what it is about you, but, you know, we just energetically or otherwise just sort of jive or we don't. Yeah. Well, or and sometimes I almost wonder if he's picking up on the dog's person as well. Yes. Because I feel really bad, but I'll be walking him and because he's pretty unique looking people will want to pet him and sometimes he'll just snub somebody Mm -hmm. and they'll bend down to pet him and he sees them but he walks right on by Mm -hmm. and I have no idea why he does that either and sometimes I wonder if it's the person with the dog and maybe not necessarily just the dog that he's doing that to Mm -hmm. and I also imagine that it could be possible you just in general Mm -hmm. not necessarily in your case but where dogs could pick up on their humans response to the other person or the other dog or if you're kind of like "Mm, I don't know you know yeah well and I I try to tell myself okay here comes another dog don't be stressed about it but (laughs) by that point he's already picked up on everything that I'm feeling yeah they are so incredibly tuned in it's just the the part of the magic of the human dog connection right is they are masterful at tuning in especially emotionally and uh, you know otherwise as well and I want to talk more specifically about that as you you know the point of your story with mutual rescue is is how you've helped each other heal right um, so I want to talk a little bit more about your connection with him um, you know emotionally and and what he's taught you about yourself and how you've you know, noticed or felt that he's helped you actually heal as well. So let's take a quick break. Uh, We'll be back. We're talking with Tracy Campion, who's the co-star of Tracy and Jack, which is one of Mutual Rescue's wonderful stories. You can go to mutualrescue.org to see their stories. And you can also submit your story if you feel like you have a great Mutual Rescue story to share. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of animals. This week, April 16th, it's Easter, and we'll celebrate with a harmonic energy and shifting Sunday with Jude and Paul Ponton from Whispering Dragon Center in Seattle. They'll be in the studio with their acutonic forks, Tibetan bowls and bells, pua, didge, and rattle, ready to do remote sessions for you, your animal friends, your home, or business. So plan to give us a call. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 11. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, 
host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. And now back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Pretty uh, grooving jam you've got there, Eric. That's right. Well, Pet Shop Boys, I want a dog. Oh, perfect. Although I, I think they should change their name to uh, Shelter okay. Boys. Yes. <laughs> Probably be, right. be better. Yeah, it's an old old name there, huh? Well, we're back with Tracy Campion, who's the co-star with her dog, Jack, of a mutual rescue story. Uh, you can go to mutualrescue.org to watch... The film, I don't know if it's a film, but it's a, yeah, it's a film. It's a short film. It's about five minutes long. It's just a lovely story. Get your tissues out. And uh, it just really uh, is a great example of the power of the connection uh, that's possible between humans and dogs in this in this case. And um, Tracy is the co-publisher of Pet Connection magazine and website petconnection.com. Pet, connect, pet connection magazine magazine.com yeah so check that out too it's a great publication and you'll see it uh, in western washington in vet offices and pet supply stores and it's all over the place it's a great publication and it's it's free for uh free for its readers which is great so oh and also if you feel like you have a great mutual rescue story then they are accepting submissions so you can go to mutualrescue.org and uh, enter your story, and uh, big thanks to PetSmart Charities for sponsoring it. Now, you were able to, you won a grant that you were able to donate to a rescue of your choice as a result of your selection, right? Yeah, so I didn't realize that this was going to be part of the process when I started, but after my film was made, Mutual Rescue asked me if there was an organization that I would like to give back to, and I didn't have to think for very long, and I said Seattle Humane. Mm -hmm. And then when I was going over some of the information that they sent to me, I saw that it said that I was donating $10,000 thanks to PetSmart Charities and Mutual Rescue. And that was really exciting for me because I know that Jack's surgeries were very expensive, Mm -hmm. and they took a chance on this black, stray, badly injured young dog. And thanks to them taking a chance, he and I have each other. And so it felt really good to be able to give back in such a significant way. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, the, you know, you talk about all of the benefits of, of having Jack in your life and, and how he's helped you. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk a little bit more about, we were talking off air about the power of the emotional connection that we have with dogs and how, emotionally brilliant they really are reading us and like you know you've talked about how jack knows exactly how you're feeling regardless of how well you try to hide it right so i do have a tendency to at least attempt to be stoic um, if i'm upset or stressed out and uh every two months right around deadline time i'm trying to get things done and he just knows and so I usually have to leave the house and leave him behind because he's picking up on my stress and he's trying to help me. And he's got his head on my elbow while I'm trying to type and he's, you know, pushing on my arms and trying to get into my lap. And he's 62 pounds, so he's not a small dog. Mm -hmm. 
Um, or if I'm upset about something, he'll touch base with me and say, hey, everything okay? And just kind of snuggle with me a little bit. So as much as I think I might be trying to hide something successfully, he kind of brings me back and tells me, no, this is, you're actually feeling this way and it's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So have you found that he's helped you emote more in, you know, at like the value of sort of um, showing emotion sometimes to kind of move it rather than just kind of, you know, hard hardening? Yeah, I think so. Definitely with the, the humor aspect of things, because it's, I might be feeling really serious and then I look at him and I call it his Jedi face because he'll just keep tilting his head back further and further until he can't see me anymore with that one eye. (laughs) And then he'll check back in and see if I'm watching him. But it's like he's doing whatever he can to bring some levity to the situation, make me smile, make me laugh, or he'll run and do some spins if I'm stressed out. And he definitely helps me process things in that way Mm -hmm. to to think about my emotions and maybe not keep them so bottled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like he's loaded with personality. Yeah, he's a pretty funny dog. Um, when we were filming, I was trying to explain to the filmmakers that we might want him to do X, but he's actually going to do Z. And we would be getting ready for a running scene and they go, okay, and run. And Jack would, he knew what we wanted. He would just lay right down on the trail and look <laughs> at everybody and think that it was time for belly rubs or I'll be taking him for a walk and he decides that he doesn't want to go back to the house yet so he lays down and it looks really bad to be pulling on the leash of a three-legged one-eyed dog so we have a little bit of a standoff where I have to stand there for a little bit until he decides that he wants to get up Mm -hmm. but he's definitely um, he's goofy and stubborn I I think that that's what makes him the perfect dog for me. Mm -hmm. So now, you've recently had a, a shift in your family structure in that you've, sep- you're, you've separated or divorced from your husband? Uh, my divorce will be final soon. Okay. And um, that it sounds like you're doing really well and it's a positive, positive shift in your life. Yeah. And um, I can imagine even as a positive shift, change is always hard and that it must have been really nice to have him through that. Yeah, last summer, I mean, it was an adjustment period for both of us. And he kind of kept looking around like, why is it just you now? And then he was like, okay, it's just you now. This this is great. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I got even closer with Jack and with my other animals because uh, it was just me. And we've adjusted now and do a lot of things together. I take him wherever I can take him. You know, if I'm going to go get a coffee, I make sure to bring him because I know he would love to get a puppuccino also. Yeah. We're no stranger to the puppuccino at our house, too. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually gone (laughs) through the the drive-thru before when he wasn't with me, and I thought, oh, he's going to see this cup. (laughs) And so I will get a puppuccino, and they're looking in the back seat, and I'm like, well, my dog's not with me, but he's at home, and he's going to know. Don't you dare show up empty-handed. Right. If he sees the cup, he's like, where's mine? Yeah. So the puppuccino, for those who are not familiar, is a cup of whipped cream. Yes. Little 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 cup of whipped cream, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Darcy takes Telly to to get puppuccinos, and uh, that's really cute. It's yeah. funny that you mentioned that. Yep. He knows the word. I can't say the word unless we're actually <laughs> going to get one. Yeah. I love my coffee too. I get it. <laughs> that's funny. Um. So now. 
anything else for you about, you know, the stoic, you know, in the film, you're not, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're really expressing this. There is this emotion there. Right. So, you know, I guess like he's your first dog as an adult. Um, yeah, well, I'd had a black lab from Seattle Humane when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then um, I hadn't really been in a living situation since then where I could really have a dog or a job where I was home enough for a dog. So I'd lived with four golden retrievers during graduate school, but those belonged to my landlord. So mm-hmm. I was able to connect with dogs where I could, either family dogs or mm-hmm. neighbor's dogs. Um, but yeah, he's really my first dog of my own as an adult. Now you had said in the film that you, he has helped you feel more comfortable out and about. Yeah. So how so? So after learning how to walk again, um, before the accident, I would take lots of walks and hikes. And I think that I, somewhere along the line, really lost the motivation to want to get up and get out. And so now, no matter what the weather, unless it's really snowy and slippery for Jack, mm-hmm. um, even if it's light or dark or hot or whatever the weather, he motiva- motivates me to get out and take walks and take runs because it's really important to him. And he kind of holds me accountable for remaining active and mm-hmm. and getting out of the house. Mm-hmm. And then there was a piece about him taking the attention off of you. Yes. That was yeah. felt like a relief to you. It, it is a relief. Um, well, because every now and again, if my... Um, Back is a little bit sore. I'll think, am I limping? But nobody's ever looking at me. They're always looking at Jack. I've had neighbors that don't necessarily recognize me from season to season, but they all know who Jack is. Right. And you and Jack were on Q13 recently. Yeah, we were on last Friday, uh-huh. and he hammed it up for them. It was it was pretty funny. At one point, I thought he was going to run off set, but he just had an emergency tail scratching that oh. he had to do. <laughs> And then you have been now you and Jack have been recognized. Yeah. So since then. Yeah. Afterward, um, we went down to Olympia. We were doing the doggone Easter egg hunt the following day. And so we needed to run a few errands to get ready for that. And I thought, I don't get to dress up like this very often. I'll just keep this outfit on, which was not the best choice to go to Lowe's. But Jack and I went to Lowe's and needed to get a few supplies and got out of my car and instantly in the parking lot, people were like, it's Jack and the lady from the news. (laughs) So everybody recognized Jack. I mean, what should have been a 10 minute trip took more like 45 minutes because people kept on recognizing him and Mm -hmm. wanting to pet him and give him massages. And it, it was, it was exciting. He was loving it. Yeah. Sounds like he loves attention. He really does. From people. Yes. Yeah. Um, now how have you seen him change since you got him? You've had him for two years. Yes. And so how have you seen, and he, how old was he when? Um, he was probably somewhere between 18 months and two years. He was younger, but they weren't exactly sure how old. Okay. And how have you witnessed him settle into his life with you, evolve as an individual, you know, all that? So I remember eight months after I'd adopted him, um, I always thought, wow, it's kind of interesting. He never tries to lick me or chew on my hand or anything. And at the eight-month point, I think he felt like, oh, this is my forever home. 
honeymoon period's over. Mm-hmm. And now sometimes if he thinks I'm sleeping in a little bit too late, he'll start to try to wake me up by licking my hand and then he'll start chewing on my hand. And mm-hmm. it's it's like he finally let his guard down and he's completely 100% goofy Jack. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how long it can take. Sometimes not, sometimes it's, you know, two to four weeks. Other times it can be longer than that. But when you have a dog in a rescue situation who comes in and then, you know, kind of that process of them really settling in mm-hmm. when they've been in, in foster homes or, or in multiple shelters or, you know, it's kind of an interesting part of that process. And every dog is a unique individual in so many ways. Um, but to kind of witness how they, how they experience their own process emotionally because pack is so important to them. Right. Um, to see them really kind of settle in and you know, kind of wonder, that's one of the things that you'd love to just be able to get right in their brain and, you know, or I don't want you to feel afraid that this isn't, that this is going to fall through because it's right. never going to. Right. Um, but obviously you can't just tell them that and have them believe it. So they just have to, get there and experience it and um I'm I like talk I you know in the context of grief we were talking off air about that I just had an old client whose dog when she was a puppy we worked together and the dog just passed away as an older dog and um I think this was over maybe about a decade ago that we worked together and um she has a, a dog left behind and a and a cat and um i always encourage people to talk to their animals mm-hmm. you know like they're not going to get all the words of course but there's something about if you're connected emotionally to what you're saying right. i think that there is a part of it that does communicate that they do understand yeah and and i think in 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 general, you know, you don't have to. I remember when we took Lois home, our old dog Haven dog, who's we've had now for three years. That's our adoptiversary, as mm-hmm. you said it. Um, you know, and to just say you don't, you will, you'll never have to see the inside of a shelter again. You know, right. and to just talk to them. You know, and I, I just, of course, then people get into trouble and they talk in ways that are not productive or where they feel the dog should have understood what they said and dogs aren't verbal, but there is a piece of it, like an energetic emotional piece that I feel like does translate. Right. Well, and especially too, I mean, they can tell from your tone of voice. There's also what I like to call with Jack, some transition words. Mm -hmm. So I have to be really careful around him to not say, okay, or all right. Mm -hmm. Because I've noticed that I say those words right before I say, let's go for a walk. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it's for him, it's part of its, its tone, but it's also, um, certain words and certain contexts. Yeah. Well, they can learn hundreds of words on average. You familiar with Chaser, the border collie? I am. Yeah. That book blew me away. Vocabulary superstar. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Not just, not just, uh, proper nouns, but adjectives and verbs. And it's just crazy. Chaser the Border Collie, uh, the book's title is Chaser. It's really, really interesting. He's taught his dog over a thousand words. It's really amazing. But they do pick up on words as, you, as you've as you witnessed as you live with a dog for, right. year, you know, as the years go by, 
they pick up on this and you have like you can't say puppuccino. Mm-hmm. I also can't say Denny's as in Denny's pet world <laughs> unless I'm taking him because he knows that word now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to uh, come back and talk more with Tracy Campion, who's the co-star of Tracy and Jack, part of Mutual Rescues, short films of uh, really just heartwarming and inspiring stories of people and pets who have helped each other. Uh, MutualRescue.org is the website. You can find Tracy and Jack's story. It's really easy to find. It's Tracy and Jack. There's other ones as well that you can watch. And if you feel like you have a story that is uh, a mutual rescue story, then they are welcoming submissions. And um, they're also, uh, if you're selected, it sounds like that's something they do for everybody, that the uh, PetSmart charities will donate $10,000 to the rescue of the person's choice, which is fantastic. How amazing to be able to give back to Seattle Humane. Um, I mean, to be able to give that sum of money to a rescue is just so what a wonderful experience. But especially since you knew how much they put into Jack to to save his life. Yeah. And to be able to give that back. And and, yeah, his adoption fee was so small in comparison to that. Yeah. They have uh, Seattle Humane's. I haven't I took. Well, you were I was there. You had let me know about it. The Mm -hmm. media. That was a while ago. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Is they is all that they're doing all this construction and and everything? Do you know where are they with that? Um, I know they've broken ground. I'm not mm. sure where they are in the process, though. Cool. Well, big thanks to them for their work with Jack and their work in general. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. To the rescue. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country. But if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. Coming up April 24th on Conversations Live with Zicky St. Clair. The Vegetarian's Guide to Eating Meat. Yes, you heard that right. Part memoir, part journalism, Marissa Landegrand explores an alternative way of eating that's sustainable and ethical. Join us every Monday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, and during Friday morning drive time at 6 a.m. Connect with Vicky on Twitter at Vicky St. Clair and on Facebook. Follow Conversations Live with Vicky St. Clair and catch up on podcasts at conversationslive.net. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? 
Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We're back with Tracy Campion, who is the co-publisher of Pet Connection magazine and the co-star with her dog, Jack, of a Mutual Rescue short film. You can go to mutualrescue.org to see the film and to also submit your story if you feel you have an inspiring Mutual Rescue story. Now, are they currently accepting stories about dogs and cats or any animal? Um, as far as I know, it's about any animal. Any because animal. any animal can rescue you back after you've rescued them. Sure. Okay, cool. And is it um, uh, dogs so far? It's dogs and cats featured? Yeah, and then there were horses in my film as well. In yours, right. Yeah. Um, so what are you, so uh, kind of now that you've, I mean, not just adopted Jack and you lived with him for two years and went through this process with mutual rescue, you know, submitted your um, story and then got accepted and then filmed it and then went through the launching and, you know, and you were at a uh, film festival in the Bay Area. And so how has it been since kind of completion of the film and to see that come together? and, And what is that? You know, what's your experience been? Um, When the film came out at the film festival, it was surreal to come out of the stadium and have everybody know who I was and know my story. And, you know, in some aspects, I felt a little bit vulnerable, but I also felt empowered because I felt like I was telling this story of two individuals who had some things happen, but they instead turned it into a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and since it's come out nationally, uh, more people have recognized Jack than have recognized me. But the feedback that I've gotten has been really positive. I've had friends come forward and say, hey, I had no idea you went through this, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because I didn't talk about it a lot. Um, but Because you're stoic. Right. But, <laughs> but they really... Um, they enjoyed hearing about it, and then they were telling me their stories of mutual rescue, how mm-hmm. they rescued an animal who then in turn rescued them as well. It's an interesting phenomenon, um, this whole vulnerability thing. Right. Uh, Patricia McConnell's new book is is a memoir, a mutual memoir. She writes, it's really about her life with PTSD and her experiences and her dog Will and how they've helped each other heal. But wow, I mean, it, and uh, 
you know, I'm on on the verge of shifting into publishing in a book where I share some, you know, a lot of personal information and, and it's, and it's, you know, hearing stories like yours and, and Patricia McConnell's and, and when you see how being vulnerable can help others right and, and, and inspire or connect you know, with others. And then also this, this feeling of empowerment that comes, it's such an interesting phenomenon because the first, the first phase of it is sort of, is fear, you know, you're kind of like, Ooh, Ooh, I'm putting myself out there a little bit. Ooh, I don't know if, you know, Ooh, I'm not, I'm feeling discomfort around that. And then through the other side, you end up with empowerment, inspiration, helping others, um, but it's just an interesting thing about sort of humans and how we really can avoid vulnerability. How, like, why is it so scary when the other side of it is actually you feel a freeing up of that energy and a, and a, you know, a positive experience. It's just interesting. You yeah. know, I really admire people who can embrace their vulnerability and, and just put it out there. I think, um, for me, I mean, even when I should have probably been in my wheelchair, I wouldn't want people to see me in the wheelchair, so I would take my crutches instead and just be really stubborn about it. But it is, I mean, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and saying, hey, this is what happened, this is what I went through, and this is what I'm doing with it. I think that that can be really empowering, but you do have to go through that first step where you feel a little bit vulnerable. What parts of the story specifically were the parts for you where you felt that confronted? Um. When I had to reenact what it was like to learn how to walk again, and this uh, wasn't included in the film, but I actually went back to where I did physical therapy, and the filmmakers could actually pick up on, I thought I was being pretty stoic, but they said, you don't want to be back here, do you? And I said, no, because even though they helped me through such a difficult period of my life, it was I had a lot of stress related to that facility where... Mm-hmm. I remembered how hard it was to do a lot of those exercises. And when I was learning, like, hey, I can't do these leg presses of five pounds. I keep getting stuck or my legs keep hurting. And mm-hmm. so it was um, parts like that where I had to really relive or um, where they had me sitting in my wheelchair again. I thought, I don't want to have to ever I sit in a wheelchair again. I thought about that when I saw that. I yeah. was like, whoa, that must have not, you know, that must have been intense for you to have to feel you know right I was like back there not the wheelchair again (laughs) yeah 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 it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting phenomenon Jamal yeah and it's funny they wanted um for the film photos of me in the wheelchair and there just weren't any I mean Mm -hmm. there were some photos of me on crutches um where I would go out and see my horse on on crutches but really um that vulnerability of being in the wheelchair I just didn't like it do you feel that going through that accident changed you in, you know, that you're, a, you know, not fundamentally, but in some ways different as a result? I, I think so, because when I was in the wheelchair, the way that people would look at me, they would just have this look of pity on their faces. And I thought, I'm never going to look at somebody on mm. crutches or in a wheelchair with that expression on my face. I'm going to mm. smile at them because... That's what they want. I mean, to be suddenly treated completely differently. I mean, I went to one of my favorite 
restaurants when I was finally able to get out of the house and I was still in my wheelchair and it was this restaurant I'd gone to for years and the waiter had seen me many times and I said hey how are you doing and he didn't recognize me because I was in a wheelchair and then he said oh were you normal before and I said I'm normal now I'm just in a wheelchair and so that when you see how people who are differently abled whether permanently or temporarily are treated it definitely makes you reconsider how you see the world and how you treat other people. And it and in so many cases, you don't necessarily get that awareness until you are the one. Right. You know, in the wheelchair. And then you're like, whoa, I had no idea. Yeah. Yep. And that's such an important piece of compassion um, for any, I think, any minority is that you don't, you know, whether any, in, in any like general broad term, mm-hmm. uh, that you don't, you know, if you've not been in that situation, you don't really know the impact that it has or you wouldn't think like, wow, people are treating me so different than when I was walking. Right. And, and it was drastically different treatment. Yeah. Hmm. You were in a wheelchair for like three months? Um, June through September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's intense. Um, I know that a lot of people... Um, have shared the experience of of um, having attention drawn to, I know, a, a service dog partnership of a girl with Tourette syndrome and her dog. And um, it's not a, you know, definition of a service dog is the dog performs a task that directly miti- mitigates the symptom of a disability, which he does, um, but also her feeling that you know, because of Tourette's, there's, she has motor tics and, and that people would just stare and, mm-hmm. you know, and that having a dog, this beautiful dog and, you know, it t- took the attention off of her. And I know right. that that was a really important and powerful piece of the puzzle, even mm-hmm. though it doesn't have to do with the de- uh, definition of a service dog. But yeah. Um, So you and Jack are just bopping around the city now and mm-hmm. getting recognized and he's loving the attention and, I know that you, you know, would love to, you know, and that this is great as a way to encourage people to consider adopting shelter animals and that that's one thing that you would love for this film to promote. Right. Well, and especially shelter animals that perhaps you might initially overlook, like an animal who's a senior or who has special needs or a lot of people overlook black dogs and black cats. I have one of each because I think they're fabulous, Mm -hmm. but um, reconsider going to the shelter and, and adopting one of those animals because they really can change your entire life. Mm -hmm. Is there any part of it that you didn't expect or that was maybe hard that people you think people should know with adopting Jack Mm -hmm. um, that first morning after I had to leave him at home, I thought I definitely need to find some way to be able to spend more time with my animals and, I hadn't really thought about that part. To go to work. To go to work and leave him for a long stretch of time. Mm -hmm. So that was a hardship on you, not that he was being hard. He seemed fine. Um, I mean, I've had uh, video cameras on him before just to see what he's doing. And usually he's just sleeping Mm -hmm. as I'm missing him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he's clearly meant for you. He fit the bill physically. And then it just seems like 
personality-wise and emotionally that you guys are just two peas in a pod. And it's just great to witness. Yeah, he's definitely the perfect dog for me. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you for all that you do with Pet Connection Magazine and with this story and getting that out there and promoting uh, adopting dogs who would be otherwise hard to adopt either because of age or physical limitations. So I think it's a great story and um, it's great to have you back and to see you as always. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, and uh, so that's mutualrescue.org. Tracy and Jack is the title of their story and there's others as well. Certainly submit your story if you feel like you have one that would fit the bill. And we will be back next week live at 2 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.